One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and I'm here with my co-host and wife, Hannah Hogan. Hello, hello. We are very excited to be here. Uh, we haven't done one of these in two weeks because I was out of town, and uh, and we're both happy to be back. As always, uh, I feel like that you would think that uh, with two weeks off, you would have more to share but it just doesn't feel like we do. It feels like, you know, me and Hannah, we live together. We Even when we're not around each other, we talk on the phone every day. So, you know, we, we talked about everything that we need to talk about. So then it's hard to then go, hey, what's some stuff that we've been talking about this week that we'd like to talk about on the podcast? Because we're both talkers. We exhaust a topic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we do have stuff to talk about. I mean, we'll we'll find our rhythm in this in this podcast, I'm sure. I mean, I was home last week. I could have done a podcast last week, but let's be honest, I already did a solo podcast this month. You guys don't want to hear another solo from me. I don't know why you think that. It it did very well. You got a lot of views. It was a very entertaining podcast where you played a lot of music. So okay. Well, that's good. It was very good. I've told you that. And uh, <laughs> okay, let's talk about my self esteem. <laughs> but uh, but we do. We have been doing a lot. There's been a lot going on, so there is a lot to talk about. It's just that when you know when it comes to um, you know what figuring out what to talk about, we have to figure out something that you know we still find interesting even after talking about it a bunch. But let's get right into the where we've been, where we're going, because I think that's going to lead us into some good stuff. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. Hannah, where were you this past weekend? Well, I was here in Nashville. Yeah, all right. So two weeks ago. When <laughs> okay. We were both here last week. We didn't do oh, gigs yeah. last week. We were both here. But the week that we missed... I was in Cincinnati. I was at Go Bananas with Jimmy Pardo, and that was really fun. Went up and did that club. I've never been there before. It's a really cool spot. It's a club. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's maybe on the first floor, but it feels like a basement. But I, but that's a good thing. Low ceilings, great crowds. Yeah, Go Bananas has got got a real good feel to it. I mean, I like the club. I I've only uh, I've headlined there one weekend, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I worked uh, some good comics. Josh O'Neill, Zach. Uh, what's Zach's last name? You just worked with him, too. I don't know. I don't know why I can't think of it. That's a bummer. But Zach's really funny. He took us to the zoo. Yeah. When I was there. Uh, me and He took me and Josh. And uh, Wyckoff, is that it? Zach Wyckoff? That, that sounds about right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, you know, funny, all these connections because... 
I did a podcast with Jimmy Pardo last week. Yeah, you were in Los Angeles and yeah. you did a podcast uh, with my guy, uh, Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy my pa- two guys, Dusty and Jimmy. You opened for Jimmy on Friday and Saturday, and then on Monday I was doing a podcast with him. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It was fun. Uh, yeah, it was a really fun podcast, and we talked about the zoo. So Zach also hosted for you guys, and uh, he invited you to the zoo, and you both said no. Yeah, I mean, it's like we just had shows on Friday and Saturday. So I drove up on Friday, did the shows, and then so you just have one day, you know, before your shows on the Saturday. So I don't feel like going out in the sun, getting tired, you know, having an awkward small talk with a guy I met the day before, you know, watching gorillas poop. Like, I don't need it. I've seen some zoos in my day. Well, I think the Cincinnati Zoo in particular is supposed to be one of the best in the country. Well, that's what they say to get you there. And when I went, yeah, we got to pet a camel. Uh, Met some, uh, I forget the animals, even though we talked about them on Jimmy Pardo's podcast. They they came up with a name. I forget what they are, but they're like a giant rodent. They look huge, but they look like kind of like a rat. Or a gerbil and or guinea pig maybe is that's kind of nasty. Honestly, it is. We were in like they had them in a cage, but in a like a field, and we were just out there with them. And then they started making some weird noise. And apparently, they're supposed to be very friendly, but I'm just not that comfortable around animals these days. I mean, I spent a good portion of my life on a farm, but you know, we had cows and you know some hunting dogs. You know what I mean? Like we weren't. I'm not that comfortable on a horse. My younger sister rides horses a lot, and I just, and I've rode, I'm just not that comfortable anymore. Well, you're not really an animal person. You've, I've never known you to like dogs. I think you grew up in a kind of more poor neighborhoods, and they let their dogs run wild. And, they, and you know, you had, you had some issues with dogs. Yeah, I like dogs. I mean, I always had dogs growing up. I do like my own dog. But it's just other people's dogs. I feel like... I mean, we were walking in a park a couple weeks ago. And, I mean, there was a couple with two dogs with them on the other side of the park. Well... And Dusty from, geez, like a thousand feet away is like, oh, gosh. Well, I mean... Oh, gosh, let's go the opposite direction. Well, first off, they're huge dogs, and they're both not on a leash. It was like a border collie. I don't... I don't... (laughs) It was just like a lab. I don't think so. There was two big dogs, and, yeah, I mean, they're unleashed... And their owners are throwing, you know, who knows what these dogs are going to do. All of a sudden, the dog's like, oh, i got to protect my owner, and it runs up, and then now I have to punch a dog out in the park. I don't want to be the guy that's known for punching a dog in the park. I don't think you'd even get so far as to punch it. I mean, I don't know if we've told this story on the podcast before, but in the early days of Dusty and I dating, we I would stay with him in his hotel, you know, when he would be doing gigs. And one time we were hanging out on a hotel patio, and it was pretty late, and then all of a sudden we spotted a big old possum yeah, this underneath is a, a nearby... This is in Iowa. Yeah, we spotted a possum underneath a nearby table. And we were frightened, and Dusty just ran, and he just left me. He just left me deal with the possum. So I feel like if that's what you're going to do with the possum, what are you going to do with the big old dog? You're just well, going to run. Well, listen... If the possum were attacking us, that'd be one thing. Then I'd have to defend you. But we had enough space in between to where we both just take off running. And I, 
I don't know how, like, I'm not going to carry you in that situation. Your legs are working just fine. Right. But this was a huge possum. You remember this possum? I watched it go under all the patio furniture, and then it popped up on the other side, and I was like, oh, man. I don't know if I've ever really seen a live possum at that time. I'd never seen a possum. We don't like, have possums oh, in Canada. gosh. I was like, what is this thing? Yeah, it was ugly. Yeah. And I... I'm not afraid of spiders. I'm not afraid of dogs. I am disgusted by rats and mice. And possums are just, you know, the devil's creation of a rat. It's just that it's a rat in raccoon form. And I am just repulsed by this. Not it's a it's a mixture of fear but also just like instinctual revulsion that, that something like that even exists in this world. Yeah, that's why I ran. I mean, I was like, this thing was making eye contact with us. Like, if you had not ran, if you had fell, I would have come back for you. But you saw me run and you ran too. It's like I made a move and you followed my lead. Well, I did. I mean, yeah, and I do remember those eyes because they were red. I mean, it was like when that thing popped out, I was like, oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still not a big fan of possums. When we lived in the old house. uh, We call that house the rat house. Yeah, if you've listened to earlier podcasts, you know that we lived in a house that just had tons of rats in it. We didn't own it. We were renting it. I Personally, I love the house. The rats, that's how much I love the house, that even though it was, like, infested with rats, I was like, this is okay here. Yeah, and the only reason we moved out is because a criminal moved in, a new roommate, and creeped me out, and I said, let's get out of here. He was pretty creepy. I knew him, well, I I liked him, and one night Hannah decided she didn't like him anymore, and it freaked me out about him, and we had a a comic, a female comic, staying with us, and she was going to sleep upstairs next to his room. In a, All right, let's tell this story and then we'll tell the rat story or the possum story at the rat house. The, this is what happened. All right. So story time with Dusty and Hannah. We lived in this rat house and we had like eight roommates, ourselves included, right? We so had, it's, it's a it big house. Six people total in the house. It's a big house. Okay. Lots six of bedrooms. Room. Yeah. Very spacious. Lots of room. Old antebellum southern home. Built okay. in the 1800s. 1872. I looked it up because I like stuff like that. Perfect. Um, so we've had, we had various roommates move in and out and everything was fine. And then this one guy moved in. Now, what would happen, everybody had their own lease. So we didn't necessarily have to uh, find someone to move in. The landlord would find someone, and then she liked us well enough to where she would let us, you know, talk to the person and decide whether we wanted them to move in. And up until that point, I had a pretty good record of the people that moved in. The people that I approved that moved in were working out. Yeah, but you, but instead of uh, getting the guy to come over so we could all meet him first, you told him he could move in, even though he just called from San Francisco and asked to move in. Yeah, he was living in California. He wanted to move to Nashville. He was like, I got a job opportunity, and I saw this apartment available, and I'd really like to lock it down. We talked for about a half an hour, and I was like, I like this guy. Yeah, Dusty vouched for him based on a phone conversation, and... Yeah, we did find him from Craigslist. 
So, but but that's all. To be fair, that's where we found all our roommates. Right, right. But all our other previous roommates had to come in for an in-person interview and be and be confirmed by everybody else in the house. But in this case, that's not how it went down. So the guy moves in. I was running the show. To yeah. be fair, I was running the show. So the guy moves in, and yeah, I mean, immediately he's got that little squirrely, little crazy eyes in him. Do you know what I mean? Where you can meet someone and talk to them. And they're saying all the right things. They're socially adept, but their eyes have a real something off in them. And that's what I cued into right away. And it doesn't happen a lot for me. But with him, I was like, this guy's making me feel weird. I knew, I know what you're saying now, but at the time, it, it was like as I got to know him more, it started to be uncovered. Like, well, I was also saying this guy's creeping me out because this was also in the height of Me Too. Like, the the Me Too thing had just broke. Louis C.K. just got arrested. <laughs> like, but this, So this is when all this kind of, like, creepy male stuff was really on the surface of every girl's skin. This guy claimed to have a good job opportunity out here, and then when he showed up, he was very well-dressed. He was a younger guy. Very well dressed. I was like, I like this guy. He talked a good game, you know? So I was like, I'm into what he's doing. I mean, right, but he said he had a job, and then he gets here and says the job fell through. And all of a sudden, we have this roommate that's here 24 hours a day and not leaving the house. And we're like, huh, that's weird. He doesn't have a job. How is he going to? How's he going to survive? He doesn't seem to be in a hurry about finding a job. So we would kind of like ask him questions. But this was, you know, and and. Uh, you know, that, that part went down at a Waffle House. We had a comic. Well, this is what happened. So, we, you know, at, at that time, um, we would, you know, when, when comics would come through town to Nashville, we would often, you know, let people stay with us, you know, and crash at our place because we had a spare room. And sometimes people will stay with us and we don't even know them very well. It's like a friend of a friend. And that was the situation at the, in this instance. A woman, a female comic came to stay with us. Um, and she was a friend of my friend in Los Angeles. So I'd never met this woman before. And I don't think she had ever been to the Waffle House. And I don't think this roommate that we had had ever been to the Waffle House either. Right. So what happened is Dusty had a comedy show. And this woman was on the show. This comedian was on the show. And our roommate went to go watch the show, right? Right. For the second time in a row. At that point, I'm loving the guy. I'm like, wow, this guy's actually coming out supporting my shows. I'm into this. I'm bonding with the guy. We're becoming better friends than ever. Right. So then after the show, Dusty calls me up and he's like, we're going to go to Waffle House. Do you want to join us at the Waffle House? And I said, sure. Now, just for the just for insight into this story, you don't think so? Okay. <laughs> I just want to give a little insight into my psychology, but Dusty says he wants me to leave that off this podcast. Uh, let's just say I had a headache, so I took some Advil, all right? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, but it was like, you know, California Advil. Oh, jeez. And so I show up to the Waffle House, and, you know, I got my spidey senses on me, right? Okay. <laughs> you could just tell the story without any of that. None of that. Well, but that was a big part of it, though. But it all, you, you're, in the end, your intuition was right. So yeah, just exactly. Let it, so just let it, be, let it be your intuition. Yeah, but I just, you know, it's just like I just that, wonder how I would have. But I don't think it would have been so heightened had I not had. Had this but it's Advil. unnecessary, and it makes your argument seem less valid. Well, it's not, though. 
because so but I it show makes it seem okay that way. listen okay just so I show up to the Jeez. I show up to the Waffle House and I'm feeling weird okay <laughs> I'm feeling strange and I feel like I'm feeling strange because of this dude because this dude. Is making me feel creeped out. Me and, and Hannah he, on. And he's one. making me feel creeped out the way he's talking to this other female comedian who I don't know very well, but she's he's talking to her and I'm like freaking out because okay. I know that their bedrooms where she's staying tonight right. is right across from each other. I feel other. like you're adding some some intuition and in. I don't think no, you this were, is I don't think you were happened. thinking all this at the this time. This is what happened. Because we were sitting in in the booth. Uh, it was the female comic and the roommate on one side, me and Hannah on the other. Now, after my show, I hang out at, at the at Zanies and I, you know, try to sell merch and talk to people. And sometimes I'll hang out there for a while. So, you know, our roommate and the girl comic, they went over to a bar across the street. Like, they were hanging out. They had a beer. Like, I don't think they were trying to hook up at all. I mean, I don't think she was. But they... We're having a good time together. So we all went to the Waffle House. I felt like everything was fine. It took a turn when the job stuff came up. And that's that's when... Wait, wait at the Waffle House? At the Waffle House. What ha- I don't even well, remember that. Well, you were asking him about his job. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just started interrogating him. <laughs> but you were, you know... But in like a smart, smooth hand I think way. you were just asking questions well, and being I had Well, I had an ulterior motive, which is to find out if this guy... But we... So we is, wanted... To know, know about his job. Night. We just wanted, you know, just in, for me, it was just casual conversation like, you know, how's the job that you came out here for or <laughs> what's that? How's that going? And he was like, oh, that job fell through. But he was very casual about it. And it's like this job was his whole reason for coming here. Right. And then he was very casual about that it didn't go through. Now, still in my mind, now what I'm what I'm thinking, OK, well-dressed young guy he's probably got rich parents and they're probably paying his rent anyway so he probably doesn't care that uh the job fell through right but so he's being weird i'm like not i'm not digging it i'm feeling a really off vibe from him so we go back to the house it's nighttime people are are starting to turn in to go to bed i go downstairs with dusty and i and i just start to get Paranoid. I start yeah, to get up until worried. this point. I'm still fine. I start to have a crisis, a crisis of conscience because I've invited this woman to stay at my house. This Me Too thing is happening right now, and I don't know who this psychopath is that just moved in two weeks ago. And I feel like I kind of need to like protect her safety because if this guy's a crazy dude and he's sleeping next to her. You know, I don't know what to do. So they're in separate bedrooms. They're in though. separate bedrooms, but they're right next to each other. We actually had her in, a, in, and we had her in a very safe place. But what it was very safe because there's a lock on the door. But what I need, so I told Hannah, go tell her, yeah, to lock the door. So this is this is where I get this is where it, <laughs> this is where it gets weird. Me and this woman don't really talk a lot, <laughs> but now, I mean, she's fine. We follow each other on Instagram, but. uh so I go up to her room, and I'm like, hey, I don't want to freak you out, but that guy that was just with us at the Waffle House, he just moved in two weeks ago. I'm really creeped out by him. I think he's a crazy psycho drug addict from San Francisco, and I just feel kind of weird that you're sleeping next to him uh, upstairs here, and I just want to let you know to lock your door tonight, and if you don't feel comfortable staying here, that's totally fine. I will pay for you to get a hotel instead. 
<laughs> and she's like, what? What? Oh, my God. And I'm like, look, I, I, I just, I know it sounds weird. I don't want to freak you out. But I also just, like, can't in good conscience, like, have you sleeping in this room? And, like, me just, like, not, like, knowing that this psycho is, like, next door to you. And she's like, uh, uh, okay, uh, okay. And she doesn't know me. I don't know her. So, I, I mean, for all she knows, I'm the creepy psycho, you know? And so she's like, okay, well, I, well, I'll lock my door. Thank you for telling me. And she was actually really fine about it. Yeah, all I wanted her to do was go up there and go, hey, listen, this guy just moved in. We don't know him that well. I just think it would be a good idea if you just locked this door tonight. Oh, no, I came on full panic face. I mean, even that sounds creepy, lock this door. But it's like, hey, just we don't know him and he's up here just – but imagine that, like you, you've, you know, your friend hooked you up with someone in Nashville. You're, you're already staying in someone's home you don't know, and then the person whose home you don't know, you're like, hey, uh, Je- uh, Jeffrey Dahmer might be sleeping next to you. Not Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer. What's or, the other guy? Or even imagine this: you go do someone's comedy show, and then as you're getting ready to go to bed, that person's wife comes up <laughs> and goes, hey. <laughs> I don't know the guy that's in the bedroom next to us. Lock your door. <laughs> yeah. Lock your door. <laughs> yeah. So she 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 was like, okay. I think maybe she figured that like I'm just a little bit weird and <laughs> and I and I, but in the end she probably just appreciated that. I ho- I hope she just appreciated that I gave her the heads up. So so she just stays the night and then takes off the next day. But this the next thing that happened that was like sort of the final thing. Um, but remember when we had that leak? And oh, yeah. You this had to is, go into his room. Yeah, this was. This uh, is when we realized, okay, this isn't just in Hannah's head. It is in Hannah's head, but Hannah, crazy little Hannah, she knows what she's talking about. Her instincts are on point. This is the thing, though. I think there was two things that happened uh, relatively quickly, though. I think because I think I had gone in his room prior to and saw it and was like, dang, dude. I went up there because we were about to hang out. So I went up there, and I he had just moved in. And I saw his room, and he was like – it was just like a pile of clothes and a deflated um, mattress. Like not a pile of folded clothes, just a pile. So I – and we had already had a guy up there before him that was sleeping on an air mattress that would smoke cigarettes up there. And uh, you're just not allowed to smoke in the house. And he had cigarette butts everywhere. It was sort of the cursed room. Like, whatever yeah. room they moved in there, they were always weird. Yeah. But um, so, but what happened, we had a leak in the house. And so I had to go up there. Oh, no. Now I'm feeling like I don't, I don't know. Anyway, let's forget all that I said. I went up there because we had a leak in the house, and the guy had to get in to repair it. And I, I didn't know where this guy was at. I just the roommate, the roommate. So I was like, I don't know. I need we need to get this fixed though. So I just went up there. You had to go through his room to fix the leak because he was beside the bathroom. So I opened his door, and it was just like I was really taken back. It felt like, as Hannah says, a squatter lived in there. Yeah, I mean, he at this point he'd be living there for maybe two months. Yeah, he had been there for long enough for for to get get it down. Yeah, it was like a trash, cattle trails, like the the entire floor is just covered in trash, dirty dishes, just absolute filth, an air mattress. But like, you know, and that's what fine. Was so, a lot of people live in air mattresses, but it was just like a really like squalor, just what, complete. Like you walked in and you're like, how does anyone live in here? Like no table or nightstand or desk or bookshelf or dresser and not not 
like this guy's an extreme minimalist, but his clothes are neatly folded in the corner. Like, and what was so just squalor? The guy, it's like what uh, was so weird was the guy was so well dressed. He always looked good. So that when I saw his room, I was just like, oh, this is not matching up at all. Yeah, it was like very duplicitous to see, you know, the way he presents himself, you know, and then to actually see, you know, what he's living in. Very, very telling. Very disturbing. I didn't see it, but Dusty told me, and, you know, my imagination ran with that. So that was the main reason that we moved out of the house. Uh, but then thereafter, I every time I he was around, I just ran away. I, I was so creeped out by him. I couldn't look him in the eyes. He ended he up being— so weird to I, me. I think he had a real, like, alcohol problem. Like, like he was always drunk. I think it was— yeah, do you think it was alcohol? I think he definitely was drinking a lot. He came. It was out- definitely some sort of substance abuse problem. I actually think it was like H. Like I think it was like drug. I think it was drugs and alcohol. I mean, because yeah, he was drinking a lot. But I also think I just think he did have money from somewhere, and then he was just living in Nashville doing drugs and and drinking. Our roommate, the in that room before that, he was a real mess too. But so then, so this is, so this guy moves in. I'm just totally creeped out by him. At this point, we've been living there for maybe two years. And I said to Dusty, I was like, we got to get out of here. Now, I've been there for longer than that. Yeah, Dusty's been there, but I've been there for two years. Now, keep in mind, I'm, you know, we're in our early 30s at this point. Um, I've just moved from Canada down here. We have roommates. Uh, you know, all these roommates don't clean up their dishes. There's rats in the house. There was a lot of problems with the house, but I just kind of didn't really notice or care until this guy came in, and that was the final straw. And I said, "Let's get. We got to get out of here." But the house was also really cool, though. Too, we had a great yeah. uh, screened-in porch. We had a backyard that I cleaned up. The screened-in porch was awesome. I had a couch out there. Yeah, and uh, there was some possums hanging around this house too. Yeah, there was possums. There was rats. The uh, one time me and one of the roommates left some cat food at to feed these stray cats. We put cat food on the front porch, and we left the porch light on, and then we went out there, and there was a little possum sitting at the bowl eating the cat food. But he was picking up the cat food with his hands and just pulling it up to his mouth. little rat hands, rats with hands. So we just watched this, like, giant possum rat on the front porch eat cat food. And then the neighbor, one time during the day, had a possum on their roof. Yeah. Giant possum. Yeah. And I told the neighbor, I was like, I saw a possum on your roof. And they're like, yeah, he's living up there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, so he know, he know about it. But let's, uh, let's, let's footnote this story because once we moved out, we moved to Hendersonville. If you guys have been listening, you know we lived in Hendersonville for a year. And we actually have more complaints about Hendersonville than we do about the. Ra- I mean, we have we have you know stories of the Rat House, but we do remember it fondly. But Hendersonville was just suburbia, and it just beats your soul down in a special way. I really hated it. There was two swimming pools at this place, and I think we went to each one one time. But I wanted to say, so we moved to Hendersonville, but we'd come back to the old house and we'd check in on things. Dusty built a garden out there. And, you know, he did a lot for that house. He cleaned that house up a lot, actually. So, he, you know, he's he would get homesick for the house. And so we came back to the house, checked in with our old roommate, and what did we find out about that shady guy? He's gone. He stopped paying rent and yeah. he got kicked out. He got kicked out of the house because he stopped paying rent. And so it's like, you know, people like to say, oh, Hannah's just... 
you know, neurotic and crazy and, uh, you know, just judges people unfairly. She's a bitch. But it's like, guess what? I nailed that guy right away. I was like, "Mm, mm, mm, I am not staying in a house with this one. Absolutely not. Well, maybe if you had stuck around and you could have uh, had a positive influence on the guy's life. No, that guy was that guy was walking with with too many demons around him. I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, I mean, he was struggling. That's for sure. And uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, because I mean, he clearly just wasted all of his money on drugs and alcohol. Lost his jobs. Colby and Cody both lived in that room too, and they were fine. So yeah, the room. Took a turn. Oh, James ended up. Did James end James, up? James lived in that James room for a while. James was in that room, and then he wanted the less expensive one. Yeah, that's a good deal. That less expensive room. Was yeah, two fifty. Two fifty a month is a tiny room. That's what I lived in when I first moved there. And tiny room, no, no insulation really. So in the summertime, it's super hot. In the wintertime, it's yeah. super cold. But man, two hundred and fifty dollars a month. And it was perfect for me when I moved in because that was the room that I rented when I first moved in because. I was just on an entertainment visa for my first two and a half years, so I could only work as an actress or a stand-up comedian, so I couldn't even get a part-time job to make more money, so I really had limited... I mean, I had my savings account, basically, and then, like, feature gigs and hosting gigs, so... You know, so it was pretty important for us to not be spending a lot of money. And, geez, yeah. when we look back on it, we really didn't have very, any money at all. I no. can't believe I was like, Dusty's the best. <laughs> I mean, I love that room. I was so in love with you that I was like, yeah, like Rad House... I love this. <laughs> well, you know it was great. It was. We had a good time. So, yeah, I mean, that the house was great. And to be honest, the rats weren't a problem the whole time. All of a sudden, we had a real rat problem. Well, we had a, yeah, we had. I actually think that we, we always had, had the problem, but all of a sudden, we're like, let's fix this. No, I think we had more cats in the, in the area for a while, so we didn't have such a problem. Well, the rats started to get cocky. I mean, I had a rat run over my foot when I was cooking in the kitchen, and I said, "Look, rat, don't be don't be blazing around arrogant like that. You're just running over my foot in broad daylight. I mean, stick to the shadows. That's where you belong." Yeah, yeah, it, it was getting wild in there. I mean, because I don't know, I went under the house one time, and you want to feel unsafe about the house you're living in. Uh, you live in a house built in the 1800s and then go under there and you go, oh, this is just stacked on some columns of rocks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay. So this could fall anytime. Well, we also live near a rock quarry. So literally it was caving in. Like the, there was walls that were cracking. Yeah, because every, every once in a while you would hear like an explosion and then the house would tremble like a tiny earthquake. The first time I felt it, I thought that we actually had had an earthquake. And I went on Facebook, and no one was talking about it. So I was like, oh, okay. I love the uh, – I don't know if I'm holding the microphone right. I uh, – sorry if I wasn't. Um, I, it's tough to say whether you're talking to the side well, of these mic. I think it's a side mic. No, it's not because one podcast, I thought it was a side mic, and I talked into the side mic like this the whole time, and it was really irritating. okay. And so I'm trying to remind myself to just talk in the – I mean, who knows? Maybe you guys are listening to this, and you're like, you're too close to the mic. I think I it's know. fine. Everything's fine. All right. Um, yeah, anyway, I mean, that house, I mean, it, there's a fondness to that house. But, I mean, at the end of the day, really, the thing that affects you the most is environment. And your environment is colored by the people that you're living with. I mean, roommates are so important. I love the house. I would like to 
have bought the. I would like to own the house. Yeah, the owner actually mentioned to me that she wanted Dusty to buy it, and I just didn't tell Dusty that. But Dusty said, you know, you might have actually wanted to have done that. Yeah, I mean, I like that house a lot. I mean, uh, I think it's very fun, and I, I think, yeah, I mean, you don't have to have that many roommates, but. Yeah, we could have kept roommates that helped pay the mortgage off and, you know, whatever. But uh, All right, let's move on. We're, we're still but, talking about where we've been, where we're yeah, going. Yeah, so the possum, though, uh, so the point is that, you know, I was at this zoo and in the in the cage with these giant, you know, bigger than possum, better looking, but bigger than possum possums, and I wasn't into it. But we, you know, we touched some other things while we were in there. And this I, is the Cincinnati Zoo. We're Cincinnati going full Zoo. circle back I to it. when so, I was in Cincinnati. And then I last week, and then last week I was in LA. I went out there for uh, eight days. They're on the road again. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I did shows in Ontario, California, Oxnard, California, Irvine, Hermosa Beach, Pasadena, El Segundo. I did the Hollywood Improv. And then somewhere in L.A. called Genghis Cohen. And uh, really fun. I did the Jimmy Pardo podcast, Never Not Funny podcast. Uh, You can find that. Uh, There's a clip of it on YouTube, Never Not Funny, uh, with me on there. And we talk uh, about the Cincinnati Zoo. And uh, and I stayed with my old roommate, Danny Green. We were roommates in Charleston. I stayed with him, and I slept uh, on his floor uh, on a mat, uh, and it was fun. We shared a room uh, because, you know, me and Danny haven't hung out a lot since since I moved from Charleston. So it's nice to hang. I mean, we got, you know, we got up in the room together. And I, I made jokes about how bad the mat was, but honestly, it was a pretty comfortable mat. So I don't. I didn't not sleep well. You know what I mean? And I rented a car. I rented a, a lime green uh, Kia Soul and drove around. And uh, and I, it reminds me of the, the last time I was in L.A. and rented a car. I rented a Kia Soul. That's why I rented it again because I liked driving it. And I was on uh, one Mal- what is it? Venice Beach at nighttime. And apparently there's a lot of homeless people on Venice Beach. And I stopped on the street, and I was trying to pay parking, and this guy kept yelling. And I knew he was homeless, and I've heard homeless people yell before. So I wasn't really alarmed by it, but then he started to get specific, you know? He was like, I wish I drove a Kia Soul. (laughs) And I was like, there's only one car on this street, and that's me. And uh, Maybe uh, it was our old roommate. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And... um, so yeah, so now I'm back from LA. I'm gonna do a video. I got a video that I'm working on right now that I'm gonna post on YouTube about my trip, a little more detailed. Uh, but I had a Comedy Central video that it came out. Uh, I talked about that the last podcast that it was gonna come out, and now it's come out, and it's very close to being at a million views. Uh, so it's done really well. I think it's at 985,000 views. So if you want to go on there and watch that, share that with your friends, help that hit a million, that'd be great. I don't think hitting a million is going to do anything for me except for let me be able to look at it and go, man, that's cool. Bragging rights. I guess. And uh, and then where are we going this weekend, Hannah? 
All right, I'm going to the Grove in Lowell, Arkansas, and I'm going to be opening for Stuttering John from the Howard Stern Show. That's exciting. Well, previously from the Howard Stern Show, he's not. He's not. He's no longer an affiliate. But. Well, that's exciting, but also exciting that you're going to the Grove. We love Bill and Rhonda. Yeah. Uh, at the Grove, we like going to Lowell, so I'm excited that you're going there. Yeah. And I also, oh, you know what? Speaking of of the, uh, the Grove, Lowell, Arkansas. NWA, Northwest Arkansas, and possums, me and you saw a baby possum. Oh, yeah. Now, a baby possum, on the other hand, very cute. Yeah. <laughs> we really like that thing. Yeah, we. it was just right on the middle of the road. Yeah, it was like on a back road. We got video footage of that on YouTube, actually. Do we put it on YouTube? Yeah, it's part of that Arkansas oh, video. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a, you know, I got some videos uh, on my YouTube channel on, I call it On the Road, and On the Road with Dusty Slay. So that is our, you know, Bentonville trip. I don't know if it says, I think it says Lowell, Lowell trip. And uh, yeah, I got a little possum on there. And it's fun. All those videos are fun. They're far too long. I mean, I realize that most people aren't watching 20-minute videos on YouTube. But if you if you want to watch it, they are entertaining. And like I say, I got, uh, my Montana one has done very well. I have one from Erie, Pennsylvania that hasn't done that well, but I think it's very funny. And I'm about to put one out from L.A. Probably today I'll put that out. I'm going to be... In this podcast. Yeah, I'm going to be getting a lot of media done today. And then, so Hannah's going back to the Grove. And then this weekend, Friday, May 31st, I'm going to Cedar Rapids, Iowa to open for the band Alabama. Wow. That's pretty exciting. That is exciting. Very, like, it's almost too on-brand for you. Yeah, I'm so pumped. I mean, I've, I've always been an Alabama fan, you know, rolling down a backwoods, Tennessee byway. I wish I had my phone in here. I'm going to uh, uh, I'm gonna play a couple Alabama songs. You talk. Rolling down a backwoods, Tennessee highway. Keep talking. Yeah, I mean, you. if you guys are listeners of the podcast, first of all, Dusty was born and raised in Alabama. That's my home. So that's self-explanatory. And then there is a band that is named Alabama. So, you know, it goes without saying, you're going to probably be partial to a group. Not only that, but they're also really great. Here's a couple of favorites. You know what I mean? Gaunt, song of the South, Sweet Potato Pie, and I Shut My Mouth. What a great song. <laughs> this one's a favorite. Oh, man, we used to listen to this. Early 2000s, me and my buddy riding around in his truck. He had a Chevy S10. Rolling down a backwoods, Tennessee byway. One arm on the wheel. Holding my lover. With the other, a sweet, soft, southern thrill. Great songs, really great songs. And uh, this one. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. 
So raw's enough that both are faded love and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. Those are fun. So I'll be, I mean, Alabama uh, was such a part musically of my life. I mean, all growing up, I mean, they were, Alabama was always going while I was growing up. I mean, always playing, always winning stuff. It's great. It's so, I mean, they're pretty old now. So someone told me this may be their last tour. So to get to do a show, I mean, even if it's just the one show, a show with Alabama on their last tour is pretty awesome. I just drooled. I don't know why. Losing my mortar skills here. Well, I drooled too thinking about, you know, opening for Alabama. Yeah, Cedar Rapids. Now, I've been to Cedar Rapids with Jimmy Pardo and Penguins up there. I wanted to go to Penguins, but my show's on Friday and I leave Saturday and they have no Thursday shows. I liked Penguins. Yeah, I wanted to go check it out. Yeah. I liked Cedar Rapids for that matter. I thought it was, you know, Iowa's got a very distinct Canada feel to it. Yeah. It's very sparse, not very populated, which is very Canadian to me. You know, it's cold, it's rural, a lot of farmland, a lot of just kind of simple people, you know. Yeah. That's a real Canadian vibe. That's 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 my rural Canadian vibe. I mean, if you grew up in Toronto or something like that. Then. All right. So that's the Where We've Been, Where We're Going section. That was the very 40-minute section. Yeah. Uh, very long today. But here we were. We didn't know if we'd have anything to talk about, and we just riffed on uh, the tales of the rat house for about 30 minutes. But this, I want to talk about this. I had someone ask me this question. Advice, you know, this would be our advice to comics section. Advice. And I like how you, you, you just say advice to comics section. <laughs> it's like just say this is advice to comics and then we put the bumper in. But you always say section. When I, and then it's the other thing that you do that, that I think is really endearing. It's all cute. It's all cute. They talking trash. They talking smack. Telling so many lies. I know they're full of crap. That's okay. Haters gonna hate. Uh-huh. I'll play at Stinky's Joke Barn with them any day. They, they, they talking trash. But the other thing you do that's really endearing is when you talk about your material, your stand-up material, you always say the hat joke, the two-week notice joke. <laughs> you always, like, call it a joke. Yeah. Well, it is a joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know what else to but call it. But some people be like, you know, the hat bit. But you've been like, I got a two-week notice joke. Yeah, it's a joke about joke. a two-week notice. I got the trailer park joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's... I just think you you really compartmentalize things, and I yeah. like it. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to be very clear that this is the section where we'll be <laughs> giving advice to comics. <laughs> but they know, babe. They know. They don't know. They do know, because they're going to hear the bumper. And yeah. they've already heard the bumper. Well... But I'm just saying you're cute. And that's all. Well, all right. So this is our – I was asked this. I was asked about someone asking if they should take a comedy class. And, you know, I think previously, uh, you know, years ago, I think I would have laughed and said, no, there's no need to do that. But the more I get along in comedy, I think, you know what? At the very beginning, depending on what the comedy class cost, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of money taking improv classes when I was in Charleston, and I don't regret taking those classes. And so I feel like that I was always, you know, so quick to laugh at a stand-up class, but I, but now that I think about it, I'm like, I actually took a bunch of classes, and it, even though it wasn't the same thing, I don't think taking a class, learning the basics of anything is a bad idea. 
this is what I'll say, and and you know, you jump in here whenever, Hannah. But this is what I'll say: taking a comedy class is not going to make you funny. Like if you're not funny, taking the class is not going to make you funny. But taking the class, you know, will potentially take, teach you how to uh, stand on stage, which that could be a thing. I mean, a lot of new comics want to come in and reinvent the wheel. And I think, hey, you know, if you eventually want to reinvent it, do it. But learn the basics first. Learn how to be funny. Learn how to go up and do a five-minute bit in front of an audience where you're actually getting laughs before you decide to put a creative spin on 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 something that's been done that way for a long time. Does that make sense? It does. I think do your research if you want to take a class. I think classes are great, especially if you if you're new to town or you're trying to immerse yourself in a new community of artists and you don't know anyone. It's a great way to meet people. I think honestly that's probably the biggest benefit is you can find your people. Maybe you could find a writing partner out of that or a new sketch troupe partner or something like that. The only thing the only point I want to make and I think that this is something I've been thinking about is there is so much information now for how to do everything. There's so much how to do stand up uh, via podcasts, via uh, interviews. You can watch of famous comedians uh, via um, actual classes Uh, You know, comedians write autobiographies and everyone is extolling advice and information. And I think there's a couple different problems I have with it. First of all, some of the people like let's take Bill Burr, any advice he's giving to comedians who are 18. He came up in a different time. He came up in a different world, a different technological world. And so I just think. You know, step back from advice sometimes and try to find your own way, you know, because for me personally, sometimes I can just get too much. I mean, this is a section called advice to comics, but I do think that there is a danger of like you're listening to so many podcasts and and it's just all about the technical aspect, the business aspect. Do this and then you got to do this and then you got to do this. It's like it's too much. Okay. All right. Uh, yes, I agree with a lot of that, but I, what I'm talking about with a class is not all of that stuff. I'm talking about you, you go from I've never done comedy to I want to do comedy. Do I think a class is necessary? Absolutely not. I don't think it's necessary. I think you could learn a lot by just going to open mics. But I think that going to a class – if you're very nervous about it, people some people are very nervous about it, right? You go to a class, and you do your research for sure, but the class should hopefully teach you the basics of writing a joke, writing a few things, set up punchline, rule of three, a few different kinds of jokes, teach you about stage presence and standing there and what to do and not do this and don't do this and don't say, oh, what else? Have a plan. Know what you're going to say. And I think that you can get that from a class. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, uh, but but I think that uh, some of that stuff, like learning the social media stuff, to me that comes way later, right? Because if you go viral and you're not a good comic, that's still going to be good for you because you're going to make some money. But it'd be better to go viral when you know how to do comedy. I'm not talking about going viral. I, I think the new 
how to do stand-up comedy class is online. I think people turn to podcasts for advice. I think they, like, you know, they'll listen to, like, uh, Burt Kreischer's podcast where he's just talking to comedians. Like, I just think so many people put so much emphasis on their idols instead of, and, and then just follow that advice blindly instead of really just doing it and finding your own flow, finding your own artistic voice, finding what makes sense to you. Picking up and learning business clues along the way. Right, right. I agree. But what I'm saying is I think there's nothing wrong with taking a class to learn the basics of comedy. If you go to – if you go and you say, all right, I'm going to work out, uh, a lot of people can work out just fine. But some people need a coach. So going in, I'm, so what I'm saying is I don't think it's necessary to take the class, but I also don't think take every advice from everybody that you hear. But I'm saying if you feel like you need a class, do your research on the class. Try to see some of their former students. See if they've had some success. Maybe even talk to some of the former students if you know them in the community. And – But I I don't think learning is ever bad. And I don't spend tons of money. I don't know what these classes cost. But I know that Rick Roberts uh, teaches a class. And he's had, you know, uh, Brian Bates initially took that class when he came out. And I think learning the basics can be really helpful. Um, And uh, Sean Parrott now teaches a class. I don't know the classes. I'd like to have Sean Parrott on to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I actually agree with you, Jesse. I think, like, physical in-person classes can be beneficial, right? I think maybe we're talking about two different things, but in the same family of things, because I do think more people are turning to the internet for advice and how-tos and, you know, autobiographies and podcasts and interviews. And it's just like, dude, like... I mean... You talk to comedians now and they're like, well, uh... You know, Whitney Cummings said on uh, such and such podcast that blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, like, how does that apply to you? You're 30 years younger than her. Right. I mean, you know? that's why I don't I don't think the basics for comedy have really changed that much, even since the beginning. I mean, the basic of comedy is that you stand there with a microphone, you have something funny that you want to say, and you say it. Certain things have changed, like there's certain things that we, we don't say anymore, that certain, you know, there's joke patterns. You can see a comic, you see him on stage, and you go, oh, that's old school. They have an old school style. That's why I think it's important to do road gigs and also do cool gigs. And not that there's not cool road gigs, but you know what I mean. You want to work the road and learn how that's going, but you also want to do the cool hip spots. I mean, that's why being in L.A. this week uh, doing some stuff was, uh, you know, challenging for me and, and fun. It's because, you know, a lot of times I'm standing in front of a younger uh, audience than I normally am, and it's uh, you know it's like okay, let me see you know how relevant I am, and it's fun. I have a good time with it. The Ice House I did in Pasadena, wild show, and I felt like they were laughing at me. It was like, and they may, and <laughs> they, and they may have been when I took the stage. It felt like they that'll be on the video. It was so much laughing and screaming. It felt like they were laughing at me, but I just rolled with it, and then I was funny. So it. It it was all okay in the end, yeah. right? They were like laughing at me almost, and then I just I just rode that wave, and uh, it was ended up being a really great show. But the um, but you know putting yourself in as many situations as possible helps you uh, roll with it. But I think sometimes in the beginning, just learning how to write a joke. I mean, I never took 
a stand-up class, but I had friends that helped me write jokes. I had friends that helped me with different things. And uh, in, in Yeah, the, I do think in your first three or four years, sometimes the best help comes from your own peers who, who watch you all the time and are like, hey, I noticed you do this. Like, maybe you don't do that anymore. Right. Try doing this instead because I feel like you're kind of going in circles with your... I remember, like, for the first three years that I was doing stand-up, I was obsessed with writing new material because obviously I felt like, you know, my next joke was going to be better than my old joke, right? So everywhere I went in Toronto, I did new material everywhere. Like I did, I very rarely did anything. And then my one friend, literally after three years, he's like, you're always doing new material. He's like, why don't you just work on five minutes and get that good? And then that way you're going to get booked on more shows and then you'll have your five minute showcase. And it blew my mind. I mean, that should have been obvious to me you know, as a 28-year-old, 29-year-old person or something, but it wasn't. And I thought, wow, yeah, you're right. I am, I'm just wasting so much energy, you know, trying to write new things every single day. I should be focusing on building five minutes. And that was true for me. You know, some people might be more prolific writers, might be more natural stand-ups and, you know, they, their method is completely different. But for me, it really helped me, you know, just have my friend, someone that I trusted be like, don't do this anymore. Just do this. And then it worked. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that comes with the kind of city that you live in, too. You were in Toronto, big city, a lot of comedy. I started in Charleston, and it's like I started with improv, and a lot of my friends that I met through taking improv classes uh, ended up doing stand-up comedy with me. And that's, you know, how I, you know, uh, moved through it, and a lot of those friends are the friends that helped me write jokes. So it's like... You know, if you're new to the entire community, you know, taking a class might is a good way to meet people. But also, um, you know, because uh, this is what I always say: if you go, if I go to an open mic scene in any city, I go and then I just do good jokes and then I make people laugh and then I make friends that way, right? But if you you don't have those good jokes yet, it might be harder. It might be a different experience. So, you know, having a buddy going into the open mic thing. Uh, might make it a little easier. I mean, I remember some of my early comedy shows way back because I did I did a little stint in comedy in like uh, the the early two thousands. I quit and then came back, but uh, I would be super nervous. I was like twenty one, twenty two, and it it would just make me so nervous. And then I would just have to be so uh, I had to have my my whole set written out, you know, and memorized so I could go up and do the jokes and it. It took me a long time to really, you know, honestly, it took me some growing up and some maturing in order to uh, be good at comedy. I just needed uh, a confidence that I didn't quite have yet. So sometimes it just takes time. But the, um, but I would always want to take friends with me, and I would always say this, and I think that Brian Bates could speak to this based on that story that he shared on the podcast once. But it's like I would always want to take a friend with me just in case I bombed. Uh, me and my friend could laugh about my bomb on the way home, and and I wouldn't just have to sit on it, you know. I wouldn't just because Brian told the story about him bombing at that cattle auction or whatever, and uh, and then having to ride back in the car with his mom, you know. Oh gosh, like that that's awful. Like that's painful. But he if you, bombed in front of his mom and her friends. Yeah, and then had to ride home. And with then his no mom. one bought his album when they were trying to auction his album. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> dude a lesser man would not have continued doing stand-up after that i would have just been like all right i guess i i get it god you want me to quit comedy okay thank you but 
Brian Bates. Brian Bates has got a pretty good career going on now, so good thing he just persevered. Yeah. Good thing he just enjoys comedy, you know? We can't all say that. All right. I mean, comedy is a great time. I wanted to say a book that I read. Books. They're reading. By Hannah Hogan and Dusty Slay. Was a book called Comic Insights, The Art of Stand-Up Comedy by Franklin A.J., right? Now, I'm not... I think a lot of this... I read this book after I was well into comedy... And I think a lot of the stuff that he talks about in this book, I was already doing. But I think, you know, it's got some interviews, but it's got a lot of interviews with older comics from the 80s and 90s. So I don't know how relevant you'll feel like those people's interviews are. I enjoyed them, but I also like the advice that he gives in the first part of the book. And I think it's, you know, I mean, it's at least, you know, at least 100 pages of good information for stand-up comedians, and I think it's worth buying. I mean, it says back here that it's $18, $19, so, you know, it's a small investment. But I, I liked it a lot, and I think it's good. Um, I recommend it. And uh, I'm not saying I recommend a comedy class. That's why I'd like to – I'd love to have Rick Roberts on here sometime. I also want to have Sean Parrott on. And I don't want to challenge them on comedy classes, but I'd like to ask them why they think it's important and some success stories from their class. I mean, I'd love to hear that just because I think there is something to taking classes. I think there is something to learning about the craft that you want to get into. And uh, I think that if I were starting comedy right now, I might take a class. But I think that you always have to keep in mind that this class will not make you funny. It may teach you how to write a joke, but no one can teach delivery. In order to, I would say, watch some of your great, your favorite comedians, old, new, it doesn't matter. The great ones, the ones that are really good, and watch how they deliver a joke. Watch how they do setup punchline. So many jokes I see people doing, the funny thing that they want to say is not the last thing in the joke. And it should always be the last thing in the joke. So that when you hit that that punch, you get the laugh. If you hit the punch and then you talk after, then you're stepping on your laugh. Also, don't be lazy and just watch YouTube videos and, and you think you're, you're edifying yourself on comedy history. Go and watch live stand-up. I mean, there's yes. there's no better instruction than seeing what the actual job is, which is not the final product on YouTube edited together. And if you're a comic in whatever city you live in, most likely your comedy club will let you come watch comedy for free. And if they don't, uh, well, then just support them. But, uh, All right. This was a good podcast. Go see it. and uh, We're about to wrap it up, I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, no, I did. I did enjoy this podcast, and uh, I think it was really fun. I think some natural, organic things came out of it. Uh, my time in LA was fun. The traffic is crazy out there. I mean, I always complained about Atlanta traffic, but after renting a car and spending some time actually going to other cities around LA, I'm like, that traffic is unbelievable, and uh, a lot of homeless people and. Uh, they didn't present me with any problem, but I did notice it. And I've noticed it a lot. I mean, I noticed it when I was in Portland, when I was in Austin. Um, 
I just I see it. I feel like I even see a bit more in Nashville, New Orleans. Like I feel like you could call the entire West Coast Skid Row. Well, I mean, from L.A. all the way up to Seattle, there's a it's a real homeless problem. Yeah, we watched a documentary on YouTube called uh, Seattle is Dying. It's on YouTube, but it's put out by the local news organization in Seattle. It's really well done. I liked it a lot. I mean, if you're into that sort of stuff, check it out. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's it. I think we're going to wrap it up. This weekend, I'm in Cedar Rapids. Hannah's in Lowell, Arkansas at the Grove. Um A lot of exciting stuff coming up. Uh, If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube, go subscribe to that. It's just Dusty Slay. And I'm going to put out a new video about L.A. And you can watch some of my other on-the-road videos. I mean, some of them are – one of them I think is two years old. So they get better as they go along. I've only done like five or six. So uh, I'm going to try to do more, but who knows, you know, who knows. But I'm I'm going to do what I can, and I'm also going to try to do some – top five country music songs so if you have any country music songs that you'd like me to talk about feel free to email me at dustyslaycomedy.com or dustyslaycomedy at gmail.com and um i was going to share uh comic advice from my friend Derek, uh and i've missed it for two weeks in a row but i will get to it next week anything else hannah nothing and go watch my comedy central video so it gets to a million so, yeah, I still need to do that. I still need to watch your comedy. So I can be like, ooh, I made it to a million, you know, just for my own personal satisfaction. What if what if you got like 999,000 and then the only person that didn't watch it was your wife? Well, that'd be upsetting. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go watch his Comedy Central video right now, two weeks after it aired. So you guys go watch it too. All right. Thank you very much. I'm Dusty Slay. We're having a good time. <laughs> We're having a good time. All right. <laughs>